heard the cries of his people, and he's responding, and salvation is coming. And that's where we get this phrase, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And it's the watchmen who see the return of the Lord to his city, Zion. And it's about the good news of the restoration of Jerusalem, the redemption of God's people, and salvation. And we see it's the same sort of set of emotions, right? It's the end of this period of waiting and anticipation. And it's the conclusion of their suffering and pain, which is ending. And now it's a new beginning and a new life. And as you look at Isaiah, you see the same emotions. It's joy, there's singing, there's thanksgiving, there's awe and wonder and worship and praise. And Paul uses that imagery to talk about what it means to preach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking today about preaching the good news, about evangelism. And preaching about evangelism can be a lot like preaching about money. Uh, it can be a difficult topic. Uh, I like to think about it's, it's like you're talking to a group of young people about how they should eat their vegetables, Right? They all know that they should eat their vegetables, but a lot of them aren't doing it. And so they either glaze over because, yeah, yeah, we should eat our vegetables. But they're not really interested, and so they don't really pay attention. And nothing that the person says is going to convince them. Or a lot of them maybe feel guilty about it, like, yeah, I know I should eat more vegetables, but, you know, I'd rather eat pizza. Uh, and so... <laughs> You know, uh, that's the mix of emotion. It's, it's hard to break through. And I feel like sometimes evangelism can be like that. I'm sure we've all heard sermons on evangelism. But for many of us, we're not doing it on a regular basis. Maybe you've tried and had a hard time. Maybe you don't know how to go about it. And so for many of you, when you hear, oh, we're going to be talking about evangelism, you kind of glaze over and think, that's not really for me. That's somebody else. Or some of you feel guilty and you may tense up. Well, oh, boy, we're talking about evangelism. Because you know you should be evangelizing, but it's hard and challenging and difficult. And so it can be some negative emotions that come when preaching with evangelism. So at the very start, I wanted to put that image out in front of us. Beautiful are the feet of the one who proclaims good news. Because when a sinner hears that they can be accepted and loved by God, and they receive in faith Jesus Christ and the redemption... It's that same set of emotions. It's an end of suffering and pain, of longing, and it's a new beginning and a new life. And when someone comes to faith in Christ for the first time, there's joy and there's awe and there's gratitude at the new life that comes through Jesus Christ. And so we need to remember those images as we think about evangelism and sort of shift the idea maybe of what's in our head when we think about evangelism and proclaiming the good news. So let's back and look at, zoom out and look at where, where we are. We're, at, we're at in the Romans Road Sermon Series this summer. We're looking at chapters 9 through 11. And the big question for these chapters is, recall, what about Israel? So Paul has already earlier in the letter proclaimed um, salvation. He's declared the gospel, um, that faith in Jesus Christ brings us redemption and reconciliation with God. But then it leaves this question of, well, what about Israel? Wasn't Israel God's chosen people? Isn't he, didn't he already bring salvation to them? And what about the law and the commandments? Didn't righteousness come through following the law? 
And, you know, but now, Paul, you're saying righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. So what about Israel? And that's the question that we've been addressing. So we looked at chapter 9 and how God um, is faithful to his people. He has not abandoned them. And we walked through how Paul shows us that Israel was chosen by God, not because of something that they do, did or something that they earned, but rather it was God's election and choice to save them. And his faithfulness to that choice continues even today. <laughs> He's getting there. And last, I'm going to keep going here. Stay with me. Stay with me. We're in Romans 9. We looked at the history of Israel. And last week, we looked at Israel's present, right? And so that now in Jesus Christ, there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Because God has been faithful to his word in Jesus Christ and giving it to us. So now it is faith in Jesus Christ that makes us right with God, that brings a righteousness that we don't deserve, just like Israel didn't. And so now there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. And Paul ended uh, last week's text with, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what leads us right into today. So then he says, but how can they call on him who they have not believed? And how do they believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And that's where we get Paul saying, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Last week, I used the phrase reading backward, remember? So we, we looked at how Paul was reading Deuteronomy backward in the light of Jesus Christ, the twist surprise ending. Paul goes back through scripture to see hints and foreshadows that he had missed, and he reinterprets passages in the light of Jesus Christ, this surprise twist ending to Israel's story. And so here we see him doing this again with Isaiah. And he reads Isaiah 52, knowing that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Israel's story. And he sees this phrase, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, is really about the good news of Jesus Christ. In the context of Isaiah 52, as we just looked at, it was Israel's redemption, right? They were a nation whose cities had been destroyed and they were living in exile. And the redemption of God's people was bringing them back and the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. But Paul sees that it's much bigger than that, that the good news is really that there is redemption for all peoples and that salvation of God is not just for Israel's people, but will reach into the nations and the ends of the earth. And so in that passage in Isaiah 52, Verse 10, he says, the Lord, Isaiah said, the Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So Paul is continuing to show that this message of Jesus Christ reaching to the ends of the nations is not a break from his promises to Israel. Rather, it's God being faithful to his word that he's been giving them all along. And in this passage, Romans 10, 14 through 21, he quotes Isaiah, he quotes the Psalms, he quotes Moses from Deuteronomy again, and he's showing that right there in God's word from the start was this plan. Sometimes it can be easy to think of Jesus as sort of like the alternative to, to Israel, right? So God made his promises to Israel, they failed again and again and again, so maybe he's abandoned them, and Jesus is like plan B, 
But Paul's telling us, no, Jesus isn't plan B. He's not an alternative. He was the plan from the beginning. He's the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel. Jesus is God being faithful to his word. And we see that the, the, their redemption, Israel's chosen people, was meant to be a blessing to all people, to all nations. And so throughout the Old Testament, whether it's the Psalms or Torah or the prophets, we see that Israel is called to be a blessing to the nations and that the salvation, his salvation is eventually going to reach all peoples. And when we read our gospel this morning, we see that the gospel used, presents this in the same way. So it's interesting to see the parallels between Matthew 28, the Great Commission, that well-known verse, and thinking about it in the con this context and thinking about it in the words of Isaiah. So Isaiah, if you go back to his quote, he says, beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And in Matthew 28, Jesus is literally on a mountain proclaiming good news to his people. And he's telling them to go forth to the ends of the world to proclaim that good news. And he says to go make disciples of all nations, quoting here from Isaiah and the Psalms we read this morning and Deuteronomy. And so we see that Jesus is this fulfillment that was there all along in God's word. And it's true and faithful to the promise that's been from the beginning until the end. And that's what Paul wants us to see when he quotes these passages and says, their voice has gone out into all the, the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And he says that Israel will be jealous of those who are not a nation, of foreigners who are going to become part of God's people. And Isaiah says that I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. And so we see that Israel's not being able to follow the law and being disobedient is actually part of God's plan in order to bring his salvation to the ends of the earth. And when we participate in that by proclaiming the good word, by evangelizing, by sharing the gospel, we're participating in God's mission from the very beginning and carrying forward his faithfulness to us. Now, if you remember at the beginning of this sermon series, um, Father Gene said that Romans chapter 9 is one of the most difficult passages to preach on because it talks about predestination and election, right? Those big, heavy doctrines that are difficult to understand. And in fact, he encouraged us that we can't really understand those doctrines because they're about the nature of God and the relationship between God and his foreknowledge and his wisdom and his choices and our human will and understanding and choices. And he laid out for us two ways of looking at this. There's a reformed perspective that tends to emphasize God's grace, God's election, God's choice of us, predestination. And then there's what's sometimes called the Arminian perspective, which tended to emphasize our need to make a choice to follow Jesus and our responsibility in hearing that. And for some of you, I know that um, that's probably not the most glamorous and exciting of topics, and that's okay. But for others, those are important issues. And, you know, I know people who have left churches because their pastor was too reformed, or they left churches because their pastor wasn't reformed or not enough. And so anywhere on that spectrum, some people can get really heated on these doctrines. And 
So if you didn't hear uh, Gene's sermon, um, it's the second one in this series, and that's a, a topic that interests you or that you know, you're concerned about, I encourage you to go back and listen. It was a, it was a good, well-done sermon. And I appreciate, though, his spirit where he said, we're going to be united in this. He doesn't want to divide the church. Because these doctrines are, we can't really fully understand them, and then, so they're not issues that should divide us. We should stay united. But then Gene handled chapter 9, which is kind of the often quoted one from the, those in the Reformed tradition that talks about predestination and election. But what I think is so interesting is just one chapter later in chapter 10, we see Paul saying something that the Arminians would tend to emphasize, right? So, yes, God has chosen us, and God, it's all about God's grace and not our responsibility, and yet all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how can, how can we call on the name of the Lord unless we hear? And how can we hear unless people preach? And so this text emphasizes kind of the other end of the spectrum, and that we who have faith in Christ and have found redemption we have a responsibility to share, because if we don't, then how is anyone going to come into that salvation? And we have a responsibility and a choice before us to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so today, we're going to be kind of looking at the other end of the spectrum. And again, another thing that I appreciate that Father Gene said is he said that, you know, how, how are we to combine these two things that sometimes seem like opposites? And he said, well, we're to have comfort and assurance like a Calvinist, but we're to preach like a Wesleyan. And that means that we're, yes, we believe in God's grace and his election, but we also have a heart and a compassion for those who haven't heard the gospel and a desire for them to learn and to know and to come to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if I'm to think of a, of a contemporary preacher and theologian who I think does a great job at holding what could be two things and, and kind of keeping them together would be um, Timothy Keller. I think probably a lot of you know Tim Keller. Gene quotes him a lot too, I know. Um, Gene, uh, Tim comes from a reformed background, and so he has that emphasis on grace and predestination and election, and yet he has a real heart for evangelism and mission and church planting and does great work on those fronts. And so I think he holds these two together. And Tim uh, did a talk on the gospel-centered church, and there's a talk that he did on evangelism within the gospel-centered church, and it has a, a lot of really great points. And I thought we would conclude today just by, by bringing up two that he shared. So Tim says that if we really understand the gospel as grace, as a gift from God, and not something that we've earned on our own, then it relieves a lot of our concerns about evangelism. So one of the things that often holds us back from evangelism, right, I said at the beginning, it's like we want to do it, but we think it's often challenging. And one of the things is, what do I say? And we get worried about, well, what if I say something wrong, or what if I don't present it well enough? You know, well, I'm sure a lot of you out there, you know, you don't feel like you're theologians or Bible scholars, so what if, what if I don't have all the answers? But we're reminded in the gospel that it's not about us, and so it shouldn't really matter what we say, because salvation is a gift of God. It's His grace, and it's God who's going to change the hearts of those who do not know Him. And so just like my, my wife, as a midwife, when she goes into, she's not the one in labor. She's not the one giving birth. 
She's just the one that gets to announce the good news. And that's the same thing with us preaching the gospel. It's not what we did. It's not about what we say as if we could present the gospel well enough then people would come to believe. We're just announcing and sharing the good news. It's God who brings about salvation and works in people's hearts. And so that if we really understand that gospel and appreciate the grace that's a gift to us, then it should alleviate a lot of those worries about evangelism. We don't have to worry about what to say. We just need to share what God has done for us. The second thing is if we understand the gospel as God's grace, his gift to us that we don't earn or deserve, then it should humble us. Right? And so this comes apart in, in, in two ways. One way, he says, is that a lot of times when Christians go about evangelism, they do what he calls pharisaical evangelism. That is to say, I'm right, you're wrong, and I love to tell you about it. <laughs> but that's not what evangelism should be about. And if we understand that the gospel is not something that we deserve or earn, it should humble, and humble us so that we don't have that attitude of, I'm right, you're wrong. It's not about us being perfect. It's about what God has done. It's not about us being right and being so good and them being bad and wrong. We're all in this together. And I think the other way that that plays out is that, again, a lot of times why we don't evangelize, why we don't share the gospel is we're worried, well, who am I? And I get that, right? I'm not a perfect person. You're not perfect people. I know you're not. We all have faults. We all have failures. We all have shortcomings. And some people are going to look at that, and they're going to say we're hypocrites. And we get worried about that. We, wor we get worried, well, I I'm not fit to share the gospel. But again, it's not about us and who we are. We're not saying, I'm such a good person, and I have all my life together, and therefore you should be like me and join the gospel. It's, you know what, my life's difficult, and I'm not perfect, and I've made mistakes, but God in his grace loves me. And despite my failures and shortcomings, he accepts me as one of his own. And he loves me and has redeemed me despite who I am. And that is a message that our world desperately needs to hear and that people can relate to. I mean, the last couple years have been tough. Things are hard. And so people need to hear joy. They need to hear the good news that the end of suffering and pain is coming, and that in Jesus Christ, we can find relief and comfort and peace and joy. So evangelism isn't about saying all the right things, and it's not about being perfect. You don't have to have the four spiritual laws or the Romans road memorized. You don't have to say everything perfectly. You don't have to be a perfect person to do it. It's just about going out and sharing what the Lord has done for you. It's about someone saying, hey, how was your weekend? And you share, you know what, I'm going through some tough stuff right now, but I went to church and it was really comforting and I found a lot of joy in it. It doesn't have to be a whole presentation of the gospel and a call to change. It just needs to be sharing what the Lord has done for you and the joy that it brings you and the relief and the comfort and the peace that you have in Jesus Christ. And that is good news. And we can say with Paul and Isaiah, beautiful are the feet of the one who proclaims good news. Would you pray with me? 
Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you accept us despite our failings and shortcomings. We thank you for the grace that you have given us for our salvation in Jesus Christ. And we desire to share that with others. And so I pray that your spirit would move in us and give us courage to share that good news with those around us. And Lord, I know that many of us here have family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers who have not received that message. They've never heard it, or maybe they've rejected it. They don't believe, and our hearts burn for them to know your love and your grace. And so we ask that you would have mercy on them and that you would soften their hearts and their minds, that they would turn to you. And as we reach forth our arms in love to share your gospel message, we pray that you would use us as your vessels, not because we're perfect or we have all the right words, but because of your grace and love for us and for those who we care about. And so we lift them up to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.